Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. The City of Stonington presents Christmas at Central Park in Malvern East. Gather the family, pack a picnic and prepare for festive fun at Central Park's Christmas concert. Enjoy performances by pop rock star Ella Hooper, the Stonington City Brass Band and more special guests, followed by a spectacular fireworks display. Christmas at Central Park in Malvern East, Sunday 8th of December 7.30pm. Visit the City of Stonington website for details. A 3CR supporter. everyone, you're tuned to Community Radio 3CR, time is just after 7.30 and of course you're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy, first up we have to say a very good morning to Virginia Haywood. Morning Virginia. Good morning Pam, yet again I've had rain, my garden's looking beautiful and it makes me happy. <laughs> it certainly bodes well for uh, the hot weather that's sure to eventually come. Except I have got the biggest burn pile. I've pruned 15 lemon trees. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. So, so I've got to contact the CFA and ask how to handle it. Yes, all those volatile oils oh, in the leaves. Yes, it's yeah. huge. Mm. It'll go up like a Roman candle. It will. <laughs> <laughs> I might need them on the premises. I think you might. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, good morning, Craig Wilson morning. from Gentiana. How are you, Pam? I'm really well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful spring morning. I, well, I always think December spring, so I think we get it wrong. December spring, March is summer. Yes, yeah. I'm sure you're right yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, phenomenal growth. Yeah, it's it's the pruning season, and I mm. just recently bought myself a little still. Oh yes. Battery um, hedge pruner. Right. Which is my new best friend. Oh okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> just for doing soft stuff. It's, yes. it's fantastic. Yes. 
Yeah, oh, it great. saves the elbows and wrists. And oh, for sure. And doing all the clipping. Yes. Yeah. It's so much quicker too, isn't That's it? That's right. Yeah. 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 Oh, well done. Yeah. <laughs> you had an early Christmas present. That's right. For yourself. Yeah. Look, I bought it a while ago and yep. it's been sitting in the cupboard, you know, as these things do. Yeah. And Craig has the best. Um, oh, the secateurs. Secateurs. The ARS secateurs. A customer was in a while ago grumbling, to, and I was grumbling to her about the famous Swiss brand that everyone uses. Yes. And she came back a month later and bought me two pairs of ARS right. Japanese secateurs, and they are fantastic. What's the difference? They're light. And ah. they're, sh- oh, they're sharp. sharp. The spring doesn't drop out. Ah, yes. Yeah. I've had that happen too. Constantly. Yes. I mean, I really, secateurs are for me like breathing. You know? Yes, I mean, of I course. just use them constantly. Yes. They're so much better than mine, and mine aren't cheap. Yeah. Okay. And they're not expensive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to go online and buy myself a Christmas present. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Of two pairs of ARS secateurs. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good to know. It is. Go the Japanese, because the, 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 the Falco have been giving me grief lately. Yep. Yep, no, yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. I've had problems with them myself. That's right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, these are fantastic, so I'm very happy. And you, and you think yeah. their other tools are also brilliant? Well, I'll try. Mm. If it's any indication, I've got one of their little folding pruning saws, and that's very good. Okay. Yeah, but it's the hedge trimmers that yes. I'm looking at next, because a lightweight hedge trimmer that's good quality will be really useful. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's understandable. The Japanese pruned to within an inch of its life, <laughs> you know, if you yeah. look at their gardens. That's right. And so it's understandable yeah. they would have good tools. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that their bonsai tools are beautiful. Oh, I've yes. been using them for 35 years yes. now. Yes. ARS or a different... ARS or a different... Masakuni. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. We yeah. live and learn. That's right. <laughs> we also have to welcome back to the, to the studio Graham Sargent. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, Pam, and good morning, everybody out there in listening land. I hope you're still in bed. <laughs> but it's nice. You're right. It's nice and quiet out there in, in the... Um, in, in, in the world, and um, it's because it gets mm. light so much earlier, you can really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. Yes, I, I love it too. Outside at five thirty. Yep. And, yep. and speaking of pruning, because we've had so much frost, we're trimming back and getting flowers in fifty days again, which is really good. Right. And there's some fantastic palink pruners about that. Um, I've always been charry up with them because I thought I'd chop my fingers off mm. in an old codger. And um, they've got a sensor on on the actual um, blade itself, and if it um, it, it touches human body, boom, yeah. stops. Wow. What what mm. brand are they? Palink, made Palink. in France. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do you yeah. spell Palink? Mm, P P E L. Palink. And battery operated too as well. Yeah. Yes. Not cheap, but the wine no. winery people are using them a lot. Okay. Yes, because mm. they have to use yeah. electric. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So okay. that's, that's good news with pruning. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, when you get a bit older, these things become a real issue. Oh, mm. they do. Yeah. 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 Mm. Mm. Well, there you go. We've had all these suggestions yeah. for Christmas presents. That's right. <laughs> well, well my, my fork committed suicide when I was trying to dig out a stump the other day. All right. And I was thinking, well, if I'm going, well, I'll have to, I always try and use the fork. Yep. Because this, a spade obviously is going to kill more worms That's than right. a fork. Yep. And if you've seen that thing on Facebook where they're selling a way of planting and it's like a, a drill yeah. that you drill into the soil. Oh, yes. 
must create absolute havoc with the, with the mycorrhizae, the worms, everything alive in the soil. I've mm. never had any luck with forks. I always bend the tines. Yes. Mm. Every time. I've got one set with bent tones. Yeah. <laughs> but the good set just snapped on me, you know, right. yeah. which is because I continually leave them out in the garden, you know, mm. hear the phone go, rush off, leave the fork there, don't come back for two days. So was it the handle that snapped? It snapped off at the base, but then oh, when the I base. looked at, the, at where the two joined, but yep. when I looked at it, it was beginning to... To rust as yeah. well. Okay. So, I was so fond of that fork. Yep. I was very sad to see it. But at least this time I didn't get thrown flat to the ground. No, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Moral is, of course, don't leave your forks out in the garden in yeah. the rain. <laughs> yes, I have quite a few of those morals, unfortunately. <laughs> But oh, I no. want to buy one of those new, you know, you can get these really lightweight ones. Yep. And I, that's what I want. I want a really light one because some of my spades are so, I don't know why, but I've got about 10 spades. And some of them are so heavy. Yep. Well, and I want these, these really lightweight and they're one piece. Yep. Completely. Something. They sound insubstantial. <laughs> <laughs> they're hard. Are they? Yeah, they're really hard. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you talk about this because the Gosford University has done some work on um, people working in gardens and they found if people work anything up to three-quarters of an hour, it's the equivalent of a six-kilometre walk. Goodness me. And what happens so often in the garden, I find, you get so involved and then you look at the clock and you think, crikey, I've been in this working away here for two hours. Mm. Yeah. And we don't give ourselves a Time spell. for a cup of tea. Yeah. And then you go out again. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can regularly, because I've got a, oh, which I don't have on my wrist. I must have left it at home. I've got a Fitbit. Yes. And I, I can, I mean, yesterday I didn't think I did a lot of work in the garden. I was out there for a few hours. Um, and I'd done 10,000 steps. And I can regularly do 15,000 steps and mm. I haven't left the property. Mm. But they tell me, beware with Fitbit, they're, they're recording you. Yeah, well. Everyone is. But, everyone you know, is. everyone's got that safe. I don't have one of those Safeway cards, mm-hmm. Woolworths cards, you know. Mm. Or, but all those cards are recording you. People have yeah. them. Mm. I mean, they're recording us. <laughs> I'm way too paranoid to have one of those. Yeah. It records everything you buy. Yeah, yes. absolutely. No. Absolutely. No, no, Look no. at Julian Assange. So know. what do you do? Use cash? Uh, yeah, I go to the bank and yeah. withdraw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't get my card. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I didn't mean that card. I meant the the card, the, the rewards, the card. rewards card. Oh yeah, I have to always tell them no, I'm unrewarded. <laughs> <laughs> I don't deserve it. <laughs> they say the reward system is a big con anyway. Yeah, you absolutely. pay for it. Yes. You pay for it anyway. Yeah. Even well, more. Yeah. But I think we pay for it, mm. and yeah, we don't right. have it. Well, they're not mm. going to do it if it works to, to your advantage. No. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like it's with all these, you know, like Safeways particularly, but all these companies that underpay, they never seem to make a mistake and overpay by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny that. <laughs> yeah. It's a long way from gardens, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Let's get back on track. And um, a few community announcements to get through. Uh, and, of course, a reminder, if you've never been up to see Stephen's Garden, it is open today. Um, Tagurium, uh, the address is 8 to 10 Centenary Avenue in Macedon. Uh, it's opening 10 o'clock this morning, running through until 4.30. Entry is $8, children under 18 free, students $5.00. Uh, there will also be uh, some of Craig Lidgewood's botanic artwork um, on display and for sales. There will be plant sales and morning and afternoon tea. 
And in conjunction with Stephen's garden opening, there's another garden in Macedon opening also today, uh, which is uh, Calum. The address is 3 Church Street in Macedon. Uh, again, 10 a.m. this morning through to 4.30 this afternoon. Entry again, $8, children under 18 free, and there'll also be plant sales there. And from 1 o'clock onwards, there'll be music in the garden as well. So two wonderful gardens, uh, both in the Macedon region, and, very close to each other. And Pam, for the uninitiated, that's Stephen Ryan. Yes. And Macedon, the little township of Mount Macedon, is a great place for meals, and the hotel there puts on a good meal too. I thought the hotel was closed. No, no, no. It's no. reopened. Yeah, oh, yes. Okay. There you go. It's a great place to sit, and there's some amazing Chinese furniture in the whole place. Okay. And um, it's a great place to just amuse yourself with looking at what's on the walls. (laughs) Really is. All right. Okay. Okay. There you go. Um, Now the other thing that's on today is uh, the next themed guided walk down at Geelong Botanic Gardens. This one's entitled Flora of the Pacific Islands. And it's a walking presentation of the Geelong Botanic Gardens collection of flora of the Pacific Islands such as New Caledonia, Lord Howe Island and New Zealand. Join the guide at the front gates of the uh, Geelong Botanic Gardens and explore these fascinating plants. Um, Now, the details are you meet the guide, as I said, 2 o'clock for that one and uh, uh, cost is gold coin donation. So... uh, That's this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Just another couple of things coming up. Uh, Next Wednesday, the 11th of December, Friends of Burnley Gardens have got their uh, plant sale coming up. And uh, it's a chance to buy a plant or a book uh, and have lunch in the historic gardens. Now, it starts at 12 noon, running through till 3 o'clock. They have a selection of native and exotic trees and shrubs Perennials, bulbs, succulents, indoor and food plants for sale. The location is the lawn behind the Student Union building. Just follow the signs. Parking, of course, is in Yarra Boulevard. And uh, you can go onto their website if you want to look at the plant and book list. But uh, reminder that payments are by cash only for that one. So that's coming up next Wednesday, uh, 11th of December. Okay, we're going to open up our talkback lines nice and early this morning. If anyone's got a gardening question this morning, do give us a call. The number is 94190155. That's 94190155. We have Virginia Haywood, who's a guide at Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. Craig Wilson from Gentiana Nursery. And Graham Sargent from Silky's Rose Farm in Clonbanane. So do give us a call, 94190155. Craig, let's start straight in on some of the plants you've brought in this morning. I brought in a few of the Sasuke azaleas. The Sasuke is an interesting group. It's, it's not one that's seen much in Australia. Okay. And the Sasuke are flowering now. So they follow on Later. After, after the Indiakas and the Kurumi. Yep. They're, they're mostly bred by Japanese. They're bred for pot culture. Right. Um, they have an incredibly fibrous root system, more more fibrous than the the Kurumi azaleas. Okay. Are they still surface rooted? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when the Japanese breed things, they they tend to look at multiple reasons for developing them. <laughs> um, and the the, the Satsuki, uh, the principal species for bonsai, 
so that they don't die back when you cut into a big pieces of wood. Ah, if right. If you cut a, cut a big piece of wood on a Karumi Azalea, you'll see that a big section of the trunk will die back. And you may not notice that on the ground because they shoot back so yep, freely. Yep. But in a pot, you'll notice it. And the Sasuke don't do that. Okay. And they're also incredibly dense. So that when you clip them, they're, they're, they're perfect for clipping. I don't know why Australians aren't using them more for pots, particularly in this day and age when Are they a red everyone wants right? clipped balls. Yes, don't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These things would be perfect. Okay. Now, red spider mite? Yeah, I guess so. You don't particularly notice it? Because I got rid of all my azaleas because they had it so badly. Yeah, well, it's because you're a bit drier. Ah, is yeah. that what it was? Yeah. Right. And uh, eco oil will work really well on the red spider mite. Or bugs for bugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 So the Sasuke, and there's a huge range of colours. This is one that a friend of mine bought in from Japan. It's, it's a tiny little one. And it, it's hard to see the colour in here, but it's a beautiful sort of magenta. Mm. Um, and a tiny little plant. It'll only get to about 40 centimetres. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Really dense. It's very pretty. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're a nice group. There's endless, and a lot of them will have two flower colours on one plant. Oh, that's always nice. Yeah. Mm. Um, some of them will have stripes through them. It, almost every town in Japan has a Sasuke club. Okay. Yeah, they're enormously popular. Right, and yeah. so you have a few of them. I have a few of them, and yeah. there's another um, bonsai art nursery in Clayton has a few. Okay. Yeah, Why I, do you I think really they haven't caught on here? It's because every, every nurseryman I've spoken to, hello, I'm just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> every nurseryman I've spoken to has told me because they flower too late. Mm. But that, okay. but we want things that but we want things for <laughs> to show off at Christmas time, yeah, particularly yeah. in pots. Yeah. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me so either. It is never this, has. Is this one That's too? Sasuke, yeah. That is beautiful. That's yeah. a, quite a large flower. Oh, some of them get big. Right. Yeah, I, I, I go for the small flowered forms, but yeah. But that's quite a large flower. It's a very soft colour. Yeah. Oh, I like it's that. And it doesn't look like it's got red spider mite. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I don't worry about red spider mite. I mean, they look a bit scruffy at the end of summer, and then come spring, they all bounce away again. Well, I've got a huge rhododendron, and from now on in, it just looks terrible. I'll get rid of it. <laughs> Craig yeah. came round the other day and both my grapefruit trees just hit the ground. <laughs> look, if rhododendrons get red spider mite, they look terrible for a long, long time, time, the bulk mm. of the year. Mm. Yeah. And I just can't see the point. Well, this one's for a month actually, of flowering. Well, this one was there before I came and it's planted facing northwest. Yeah. And I actually think as much of it. You know, when people say, oh, where do I plant something? I always say the first thing to think about is north wind. Before you worry about anything else, will it survive north wind? Putting a rhododendron where it's going to get north wind yeah. in the middle it of summer. It may have been a different garden at that time. Yes. What, with protection? Yeah. I doubt it. Right. But yes, maybe. Yeah. But I just, you know, um, I was given a beautiful rhododendron by Tex from the rhododendron garden, excuse me, from the Yarra Ranges Botanic, Botanic Garden. garden. Um, rhododendron nuttali. Oh, nuttali, superb. And but, but you won't be able to grow nuttali. Well, he said I can. And I've, but I've put it right round the... S- <laughs> <laughs> you should see Craig's face, everybody. 
<laughs> he doesn't think I can. No. Okay, you've been set a challenge. So yeah. the, the big leaf group of roadies, even in, in, in Alinda now, we're having trouble with them. Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting too dry. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to have And to it's going to get drier. That's right. So to get it through, to have a hope, I've got to get it through the summer with water. Cool and moist, fern mm. gully. Oh, yeah. that's true. I do not have a fern you know, gully. I, I, I had one at Long Acres that I planted many years ago, and I kept it going for about 15 years, and, and then I stopped watering it because, you know, how long do you have to water something? Yes, exactly. And it kicked the bucket. Yep. And that's in a south-facing position in the Linda. Wow. Um, in shade. Yeah. It's, it's a superb plant, mm. which is why I watered it for so long. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and in, in that red uh, open soil, was it? Yeah, Great. beautiful yeah. soil. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But uh, it's a myth with that. It'll drain off in the summertime. We have the same sort of soil at Romsey and Lancefield and up on Macedon. Yeah. And, and that's when, I guess, you need a lot more organic stuff in the soil. That's eh? right. Yeah. yeah. Turn but, it on. Yeah. Mm. But mm. it just goes rock hard in summer, mm. that soil. Mm. I mean, I, you know, mine in February is mm-hmm. cracking. Right. I get great big mm. cracks in it because mm. it just goes... I mean, it's beautiful soil. Do you mm. need more organic matter? Yes, mm. yes. Yeah. Everything I... I mean, I've used a, two big compost bins while yeah. I've been planting this year because mm-hmm. I've got four compost but bins. If you see my garden beds now, people think that they look dreadful because everything I prune, I just chuck straight back down. Yeah, and great then, you idea. Know, if it's big pieces of wood, I'll just chop them up. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's a bit of a pest when you put the spade in <laughs> and hit one, but you can work around that. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think wood is fantastic. In the soil. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. You can see the mycorrhizae mm. around Yes, it. you can. Mm. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. And great in the compost heap too. Yeah, mm. oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Open Shavings and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Well, my compost heap, the one I'm using at the moment, is full of bits of wood. Yeah. And yeah. it's got so many worms. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I've got I've got these worms on the in the bed on the south of the house that are as fat as my finger. Mm. So I've got the worms in the compost bin, which are just the what I would call ordinary worms. And then yep. you've got the scrubbies. And then I've got these thick little I mean not little these big fat ones. Yeah. And mm. I just love them. Yep. And that's why I'm so, I use the fork. Yeah. I really do not want to go cutting them in half because it's a myth. <laughs> That you can cut them in half and they'll live on. You cut them mm. in half and they die. Yeah. Yeah. And I love my worms. And the and it's the rain this year, of course. It's mm. just given them such a That's a start. right, a real boost, yeah. And mm. you, there's so many horses around me, including mm. often in my own paddocks, that I throw a lot of horse poo on the compost. Mm. They'd like that. The mm. worms love it. Yep. Mm. Yep. Okay, back to the plants, Craig. Um, the second thing I wanted to talk about was gold leaf shrubs which I, I am a great fan of, and they generally grow in a little bit of shade. Usually you find anything with a gold leaf is going to burn yes. in the mm. sun, or they get that sort of sickly yellow. Yes. It's not a very nice yes. colour at yes, all. Agreed. Put them in the shade and you get this sort of glowing oh. lime colour, yep. and they are beautiful. And you know, I'm constantly having people asking me for colour for shade, mm. which then the two things are not really synonymous. No, no, no. Yeah. But you can do things with the with a lot of these gold leaf shrubs. Um, the Philadelphus, of course, I love Philadelphus anyway for the perfume. But um, Coronaria aurea, the gold leaf Philadelphus, is beautiful. Mm. Yeah, can be a substantial shrub. You know, it could get up to three, three and a half meters if, okay. you, left, if you left it alone. Yep. But 
a regular prune you could con- contain it at 1.8 or thereabouts. Yes, right. You just prune it off straight after flowering. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's it's a beautiful plant. And the other one that I love is the berberus. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, but berberus is another underestimated plant, I think. I mean, the, the, those helmet pillars you've got, yeah. which are the very maroni leaf, they're beautiful. Yeah, and no, I was talking to a, a, a customer in Melbourne who's a very, very keen gardener, and she was telling me that in, in a hot climate like Melbourne, a little bit of shade mm. for all of them, mm. which is interesting because I would have thought they're hot and dry. But Okay. No, yeah, I've no. lost them all. Uh, when I've put them in my top bed, Yeah. I've lost them. Okay. So I think they do need yeah. a bit of kindness. It's so important for me to get that sort of feedback from mm. people. Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, your garden is, is so protected. That's right, yeah. I mean, if, if we tried to put two gardens together, yours and mine could not be more different. That's right, <laughs> yeah. Very sheltered, mm. yeah. I'd love more shelter. Yeah. Yeah, I have lots of forms of berberus, but I think Golden Glow is my favourite. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, they're clipping shrubs, so go out and buy a still. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to do the to do the soft leaves. Yep. Um, the oak leaf hydrangea, little honey. I'm not sure if it's still got a plant breeders right on it. I have to check that. So if it hasn't, then I can start propagating it. Okay. But it's superb. It's only a little guy. Right. And it has that real lime glow to it. Mm. And then, of course, the white flowers that are all developing now. Mm. Another few weeks they'll be out. So how big does that get to? Little honey would get to mm, 60 centimetres. Oh, that's small. That's a little one. That is little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's a beautiful plant Mm. because I like the oak leaves anyway. Yes. Yeah. And they're hardier. They're much hardier. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And their leaf form is, is beautiful. That's right. Yeah, it's beautiful so the, foliage. So plants. you've got it all the time. Yeah, mm. and, and good autumn colour. Yeah. The leaves are nice and soft, Craig, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. well, they're fresh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and what's this one? I love this, this one. This is um, K-Rex Banana Boat. Oh, really? It's yeah. a K-Rex? It's a K-Rex. And Quite a big flower. Completely um, big deciduous. So it goes right down in the winter, and then it comes up with these wide leaves that are, are basically gold with a green stripe through them. And it's the sort of thing that you can mix with blue plants. Or oh, I can imagine that. Yeah, it's yep. this really pretty plant. Yep. Yeah. And is that an, it's a shade one again? It's a shade plant. Yes. They pretty much all are. All are, yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that K-Rex. Yeah. This is it's striking, isn't it? Yes, it's as, as wide as your finger, people out there. Yeah. And it's, it's a really soft yellow with... Both with the edges of the leaf and the middle of the leaf in a green, and it's it's very. And it's about fifteen centimeters, so it's only a little one. Oh wow! And it'll spread out a bit. It doesn't stay in a clump like your, your standard K-Rex. Right, I think I'll have to have one of those. You want banana boat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a terrible name! Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> and then of course there's a whole raft of conifers. This one's Picea orientalis, Aurea compactor, or something like that. A phenomenal mouthful. With the dwarf conifers, when you say a dwarf conifer, you have to remember that the the standard one would be perhaps you know eight meters or ten true, meters. True. So the dwarf might get it's to in four. Comparison, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't necessarily think that they're small, but that happens over a long period of time. Yeah. The one that comes to mind is Magnolia Little Gem. 
Oh. At 20 feet, you think, oh, how yes. little is little Jem? Yeah. Yeah. But that's very delicate foliage, Craig. Yeah. The little, Beautiful. I, I, I just love the small conifers. Mm. Mm. Um, and and in, in terms of a maintenance issue, it's almost non-existent. Right. You just put them in and walk away. And it's, again, that lovely lime green foliage. That's right. The yeah. Yeah. And, and pretty tough, Craig. Once they're established, yeah. I mean, they yeah. are... Something like this is definitely part shade. Mm. I mean, oh, yes. I'd give it three hours in the morning of sun, yep. and that'd be about it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then there's all these things that you can plant with them, um, with the gold leaf plants and Persicaria red dragon. Yes, I've got that. That yeah. doesn't like the hot summer. But it comes back. It always comes it back. It comes back. And it looks That's really right. good. And, you know, there may Except be a period, February, January, March. February, March, yeah, I think when nothing's it'll, there. It'll make it through January, but February, March, I find but it. But you get some rain and it bounces back again. Yes. And, and it, it's a wonderful shade plant. I've, I've also got it in quite a bit of sun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's it's fires away. And it, yeah. it's a big leaf, everybody. And it's a really deep sort of... I don't know what you call that. It's just oh, one of the red burgundy. leaf plants. Red leaf, yeah. really yeah. red leaf. Bur- heavily, yeah, heavily marked. Burgundy, yeah. And if you put it in the shade, you'll still have that sort of red tinge through it, but it'll go largely green. Okay. But it still has that feeling of a red plant. Okay. And yeah. it has the red stems. The red yeah. stems, yeah. And, and with the gold leaf shrubs, it's beautiful. Um, and at Folly Farm, I've used it with a canthus under a big juniper. Okay. Um, in a really dry spot. Mm. Right. Yeah. And it works really well. Well, for me, it's another one I find. I've got it round the back of the house, all of which faces east. Yeah. And then I've got it on the driveway, which is facing northwest. Yeah. And the one on the driveway is the one. It, it always comes back. But That's it right. Does, but in by it February, it's looking pretty haggard. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at Folly Farm, I find in, in the summer, obviously the acanthus is gone and the persicaria pretty much disappears. Well, that's the dormant period. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and then when in the autumn they start surfacing again. There's, there's quite a few of these marked leaf persicarias, and I like them. And, and for people with, with smaller gardens or courtyards, they're fantastic tub plants. There's, mm. there's one in the Botanic Gardens called Persicaria virginiana variety virginiana. And okay. I feel I have to have it because of its Virginia. name. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I must have it. I don't know what it. the variety is, but you're welcome to some. <laughs> I think if yeah. it's called Virginiana, I really should plant yeah. it. You should, should have definitely. it, yes. Definitely. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the, and, and there's, yeah, there's quite a few of them. And a um, good, nice group of plants mm. for marked yes. foliage. Well, the one in the, in the botanic, it's quite green with, yeah. green with with that marking again. Yeah. And they've planted it in a lot of places, so it's obviously quite hardy. In semi-shade. Semi-shade, That's yes. That's right, yeah. This is, yes, the, the, my line is variety Virginiana. Yeah. yeah. Great name. There you go, you know where to get it from. <laughs> yeah. The other thing which is astonishing me is this um, Anthriscus Ravenswing. I love that. Yes. Which that's beautiful. I put where I thought it should grow. Of course, it had completely other ideas. Right. And it died out where I planted it and self-seeded itself up against the trunk of a copper beech. Oh, Oh, wow! Right up against the trunk. Good heavens! Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. And there it is. You know. 1.2 1.2 metres, 1.5 metres, thereabouts. My, an- my, an- wanted. Yeah. <laughs> my anthriscus raven's wing would be, oh, 
50 centimetres and it never gets bigger. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously it isn't in the right place. Yeah. But that or, would be or I'm stunning just next to the trunk of a copper beech. It's amazing. Oh. Because the copper beech has all that white lichen yes, through it. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's just beautiful. So what's a common name for the green anthriscus? Cow parsley. Is cow parsley anthriscus, is it? I think so, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's just straight sylvestris. It's, it, it used to be a weed over at Canara Springs. Yes, yes. But I, uh, well, but the raven's wing, it, it will seed a little bit, but I don't find it weedy. Oh, no. At all. And it, but it seeds. Oh, it seeds, seeds all right, and it seeds where it wants to grow. Will that, um, ta- will that take the heat, Craig? It goes Please. down in the summer. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Goes down in the summer, yeah. Okay. And um, it's it's in the shade. It's seeding everywhere, and it's still quite dark, as you can see. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting, you know. People so often put plants where they think they're going to look nice. That's right. Without any consideration for whether the plant. Wants chervil. To grow in that's that spot. what I was trying to think. Chervil is anthriscus. Okay. Yes, yeah. but cow parsley is as well. But yeah. but chervil is. That's that was the herb I was trying to think of. Yeah. Which my friend Helen adores chervil. I find it a bit bitter, and I don't grow it much. But yeah. people who like it, it's a very French herb. But the the thing with anthriscus and a whole lot of those wonderful South African bulbs that just disappear, and daffodils, anything that disappears in February, I like. It's perfect. That's yes. right. It yeah. means it means it's not dead. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and by the end of February, I've run out of water. I yes. haven't had one single year where I haven't run out of water by the end of February. Yep. Yeah, there's something to be said for some endormancy for yeah. Australian oh, gardens. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And anyone yeah. who wants to look at my garden in summer, I say, no, you can't come. Well, in February, March, because until the rains come, and yep. the last couple of years the rains have come really late, and so it looks awful. Yeah. But it's so beautiful at the moment, so I just figure... I mean, when, when I lived in Britain... I just assumed my garden was just dormant in February and I ignored it and I read books. Yeah. And I do the same here. Yeah. It's just, that was winter dormant, but I need summer dormancy. That's it's right. just so much better for me if yep. I've got things dormant. Yep, fair enough. So I don't have to keep them away. <laughs> yeah. They do it all by themselves. Yep, yep. Oh, th- this is the time of year for cutting back perennials too. Mm. The late flowering perennials, so the Rudbeckias, Helianthemums, oh, sorry, Helianthus. Helenium, aster, sedum, yep. any of those late. Cut them in half now. Okay. Yeah, especially because we've had such a good season, they're going to be really floppy. Yes. Yeah. And so also Chelsea chop. What's Chelsea chop? Cutting them to get flowers at the right time. Yeah, well, it just means that they're more stout. Yes. You, you cut that fresh growth, spring growth off, and then they make harder growth over in the warmer months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You mentioned earlier um, that, that uh, all the lime green foliage would also team so well with blues and mauves and Absolutely. purples. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So I you, think you've got a, a purple one in there. That we the, these are um, the cranes bells. Ah, it's, right. Yeah. Geranium. Well, they, well, they're marketed as blue, but, you know, nurserymen would call anything that comes even close to blue, blue. <laughs> <laughs> they're all wanting that elusive real right. blue, but, yeah. <laughs> but they're, yes. they're violet. Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. And they're, they're, they're superb. Yep. Yeah. The, the the one that everybody knows is Roseanne. 
which um, I don't grow because it's got a plant breeder's right on it. But I think, that, well, these are perhaps not as long flowering as Roseanne. But that, this one is as big as Roseanne. Magnificum is interesting because if, if you read the English gardening books, they will tell you that it's a very short flower. Here in Australia, it flowers for me right through till autumn. Well, that's pretty long. Yeah, and then in autumn it gets a bit of colour on the leaf and it's flowering at the same time. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love I love geraniums. Yeah. As against, I mean, I like pelagoniums as well, but it's very confusing that people call you know those red flowering Greek geraniums in an inverted commas, yeah. which are really pelagoniums. They're all pelagoniums. Mm. Any of the woody ones are pelagoniums. pelagoniums. These are geraniums. Mm. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not rocket science, really. To pull them apart. No, yeah. well, it makes life much easier if you, yeah. if you get the names right. Because right. I think geraniums are beautiful. Yeah, they are beautiful. And they're low. Yeah. And Whereas a lot of your pelagoniums will get roses. up to your waist. Mm. I mean, you mix this up with some of, um, some of the roses here. Yeah, and that's they're right. just superb. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly with that purple one that you've yeah. got there. What's yeah. that? And there's, there's one here... Um, Renardii, a Renardii hybrid called Philippe Vapel. I'm just trying to know I chopped a leaf off it. It'll be in here somewhere, which it has the most beautiful foliage. A geranium with a beautiful foliage. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's just a low one. And I've found it to be quite tough. In fact, probably the toughest of all of them, of the violet group, that is. Yeah. I can't see it. I've got so much foliage. (laughs) (laughs) You might find it later in the program anyway, Craig. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we should go to our first caller, and uh, we have Anne, who's in Heidelberg. Good morning, Anne. Hi, Pam. How are you and everyone else? We're well, thank you. That's good. Uh, What I'm ringing up about is um, what's a brand of lightweight, Little head trimmers, maybe battery operated. Well, the still one that I've just bought's fantastic. It's very light. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. You, you can't cut through anything too woody with it. But yeah, for doing the, okay. the soft growth and and you know perhaps the next stage back, it's it's terrific. Yeah, I was just thinking may, mainly of um, lavender. That, the flowers, because what I try and do is get the secateurs and cut all the dead leaf off, dead ones off. Oh, that's so hard that on your wrists. Well, it is, and there's so many to do, but yeah. I want to leave the live flowers there for the bees because the bees love them, but I thought, oh, there's got to be a better way to do it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be investing in one of these still. It's just, okay. It's, the blade's not long. It'd be 20 centimetres, I guess. Okay. Yeah, but it's very light. And, and easy to buy just at the main hardware store, is it? Absolutely, or a still shop, yeah. And how do you spell okay. still? It's got an H in it. It's got an H in it. S-T-I-H-L. Yeah, yes. Yeah. The other thing I'm ringing up about is the bird netting. I think, has there been a change in legislation or something about the size of the opening and the colour of them? There is problems with bird netting because it can be quite bad for birds. Yeah. So they, I, I don't know if there's been a change, but I do know that you've got to be quite careful with your bird netting or you do tend to trap birds, which is obviously undesirable. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, around so Craig and I, there's any... a huge amount of bird netting. Pardon? Around Craig and I, there's a huge amount of bird netting. But that's mostly on a grand scale, yes. isn't it? I mean, even if a bird got into it, it wouldn't really be an issue. You'd be able to let it out. It's not yeah. like some of them, they actually get trapped mm. in the netting. Okay. That would have to be quite coarse. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it's been a yeah. challenge, challenge with uh, even lizards and, and uh, reptiles. And there's a, there's a challenge with people talking about it with snakes. Right. Yeah, the snakes oh. will get caught up in it. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's worth checking out. So, um, we can don't you know guide the me as to... Oh, you can't guide me as to where to go to buy the best and safest? Well, I'd contact something like Landmark and just talk to them. Mm. Okay. I think. Right. It'd have you, to be information online, wouldn't it? It'd have to be. Probably, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, because if you go online, there'll be, all this, there'll be people there telling you which ones you must not use. Okay. Yeah, I haven't even done that. I don't always think of time. Or, or, or think I, about giving Landmark a ring. They would be able to give you advice, I'm sure. Um, okay. Yeah, because I want—I mean, all the parrots have discovered my fruit trees, yeah. and um, you know, like I'm not getting any fruit off it because they're devouring all of it. And I just think I want to do something so that at least I can taste what I'm growing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's, it's obviously, that's an issue for us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, any anything that any fruit sort of fruit trees that I espalier them so mm. that I can keep them alive and get yeah. them netted. Um, if, uh, if you're yeah. looking at pruning and netting, you might try rye set in Heidelberg. I've always found them very helpful. Helpful. It's R Y S E double T. Rye set. Okay. And, and what's that company, company, is it? Yeah, they they handle a lot of pruning gear and a lot of um, netting and that sort of yeah. thing. Um, oh, okay. And and ask for John. John. Okay. John's the man to talk to. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your help. Okay, then. Good luck. Okay, bye. Bye. Right, next up we're going to uh, Jill in East Brighton. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Pam and Pamela. Uh, oh, my goodness, when you were talking about your worms, Virginia, um, <laughs> I had serious, serious worm envy. <laughs> my poor little worms are the skinniest little things and I practically throw a, a fine one when I'm cultivating. I'm on the sand belt and just having poured for 30 years, I'm still on the sand belt. Yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> it's difficult, Jill. But there's no I doubt do. that mulch... See, I, I use pea yeah. straw and pe- people say, oh, pea straw, it looks horrible, but... Oh, wor- I don't think so. No. And the worms yeah. love it. I mean, it's yes. the sort of... You know, it rots down quickly. It gives, it gives really good humus in the end. And if you yeah. use um, yeah. bark... It takes forever. I just don't mm. think it has got anything like the same the, value. The pine bark has, is, is, unless it's yeah. really fine, is worse than useless. And I also, yeah. I also find that um, the, the straw, other straws can be quite hydrophobic. They can yeah. stop the water getting through, which yes, the pea no, straw I, never does. Pea straw is, yes, no, it's definitely the pick of the bunch. Mm. Um, but as I said, I have you know, used it a lot and... <laughs> And not been sufficiently rewarded, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> they, they tell us, the worm, worm farm people, uh, that the worms now will go right down to the subsoil when the weather starts to get hot. Yes. They'll nick yes. off away from the weather. That's, so, that's what happens yeah. definitely for me. Yes, because no, 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 the worm lack is, is, is year-round for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> right. 
about. That's not actually why I rang you. I was wanting your advice on my um, American canoe birch. I noticed a horrible brown stain running down the trunk after rain. And um, so I just, just Jill, investigated what's it yesterday. Called? Oh, an American canoe birch. Look, it's just a, it's one of the silver birches. Right. Uh, and um, that's why the stain showed up, of course, this dark brown stain. And I found that there's a rotten socket that uh, a, a branch has been cut off too close to the trunk so that the water could actually go into the socket when it rains. And so I dug it out yesterday with a screwdriver. You know, it was lots of soft stuff that had gone down into the trunk yeah. quite a distance, which was most upsetting. And um, I and I thought, well, now it's all out. The water will flow down there even more readily. So I need to fill up the socket. And I know you shouldn't do it with cement because that's too rigid. Do you know the name of the... Um, there's a something I think you can buy that, um, you know, is suitable for this and is specific for this and doesn't... Isn't rigid in the in the tree. No, I mean I've always used cement, but okay. And, and is, is it possible for you to drill a hole to actually get into the the where where it's rotted and drain the water out? Drain, oh, drain. It's a good idea. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I, look, I, I think I've got all the wet rotten stuff out, and I thought, oh, it's. But good. you need to be able to make sure yeah, that the water can continue to drain. Again. Yes. Yes. And if everything guess, yeah. I was told when I was at Burnley and I've read since is that they now advise not to to, to pack fill them. to fill these mm. things to pack mm. them. So you drain it. So the, yeah. the drilling the hole is would be much better, I yeah. think. Mm. Oh, okay. So it just goes in and goes out again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. It's just I'm hoping the tree's going to survive at all. You know, it was very hard to work out just how far down the. Um, the rot went because you know trying to get a screwdriver into a um, not a huge hole yeah. and then and then angle it down and and dig all this well i think you out. need to come up with an angle just so that it can drain with mm. yeah. um, just yes, drill yes i understand it. what um, you mean um, yeah yeah mm. i mean because yeah. the trouble with birch is that they're very shallow rooted and very soft yes. wood. And, yes so yes. that you know you really i mean the most important thing with the birch is to mulch it well because it can't cope yes. with the heat Yes, yes. Look, um, I'll never plant another birch. This is, this I is think probably about 25 I, years old. Yes, but, and I think um, that's the story. I mean, yeah. with, with yeah. you know, 2090, we're meant to have the same climate as, as Dubbo. So I think mm. the question... I mean, it's days and numbered. days and it's numbered. Days numbered. <laughs> yeah. Birch yeah. is when just one of those trees. you see where they trees. come from, I mean, they're, they're the, the northernmost deciduous tree, really. Latvia, yeah. Siberia. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And they're, yeah. they're also one that just turn up whenever there's a fire in those sort of areas. The birch is the first one to recolonise. Yeah, that season, yes. mm. Oh, look, it's a gorgeous thing. It's yeah. got really silver bark and it grows narrow. It's, uh, we, the reason we planted it is because it's actually in our driveway. There's, uh, there's, and uh, so its roots are down underneath. Uh, I've got... Um, uh, bricks just laid on sand. It's not a concreted drive. Oh, you know, right. So, it, so, so the water gets through. Yes. The water gets through it and it keeps its roots cool. Uh, and it is a beautiful thing. But, um, yeah, maybe its days are numbered. Oh, we'll uh, try yeah, the drill. I think yeah. the drill. Yes, yes. Yeah, give okay, it a try. That, Nothing lost. That's, that's a, no, that's right. Yes. Look, thank you very much for that. that that's great advice and I hadn't thought about it at all. Yep. Okay. And, uh, and thanks for all your good work. Oh, thanks, Jill. <laughs> okay. Okay, then. Bye. All the best. Bye-bye. Right. Next up, we're going to Roger in Red Hill. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, Pam. Um, 
Now, just a question about a lemon tree. We've got a, we're moving house, and a year ago we bought a Eureka lemon from Diggers. Right. Excellent, excellent provenance. And we've had it potted in preparatory to moving to the new house and planting it out. Yep. Now, it's grown beautifully for a year, but just recently the leaves have started dropping. Even though it has new growth on the tips, uh, it's looking healthy in one sense that there are flowers and uh, new growth, but the leaves will drop off if you touch them, and some of the leaves have white patches on them. What might be the problem there? Well, first thing is it's that they will lose their leaves regularly. You know, I mean, the leaves, some leaves have to fall off all the time. So you mustn't worry that some leaves are falling off. They yeah, that's, that's off. usually something that happens in the spring. Yeah. As yep. the new growths emerge and the, right. the old leaves will drop off. That's right. Oh, um, and, okay. of course, in a pot, you're going to notice that way more than you would if in the garden. If it was in the ground, yeah. Yeah. But what are the white patches like? Are they on the leaf or are they in the leaf? In the leaf. They're in the leaf. And are they in on the, the new growth or the old growth? The old growth. You see... Uh, if a plant's got a real, really serious problem, it shows up in the new growth. Ah, okay. And now these are definitely the older leaves down the base um, have just these white patches on them. They're not on top of them; they're within the leaf itself. Right. Mm. I don't. I mean, I have, I have got fifteen lemon trees, so I do sort of look at my lemon trees. But I, I haven't got sunburn. Well, no. look, I've, I've got photographs here, but I can't. Uh, I'm not literate enough, as your last on the desk said, send them to Facebook, but I wouldn't know how to do yeah, that. Yeah, somebody... We, we, can't have, um, we can't have a mobile phone um, turned on in the studio, Roger, so I can't help you with that one. If it's a few old leaves at the base of the tree, it wouldn't cause me any concern. No, hmm. especially if you're no. moving soon. The question I would say is the most likely th- way of killing a lemon in a pot is overwatering it. Right. So Please. be careful. Make sure it's it's up off the ground well and it's draining well. Yeah. And don't and check the soil before you water it. Don't just keep throwing water on it. And give it a feed. And give yeah. it a feed. I'm wondering whether it's yeah, got, no, got some sort that. of mildew of some sort. All right, so basically don't worry about I it. I wouldn't if it's only on the old leaf. Mm. And also right. somebody might ring in with, oh, that's happened to mine and this is what it is. Mm. Oh. All right, well, we'll, we always keep listening, so that's great. All right, look, thanks very much for all the work you guys do. It's really fantastic. Good on you, Roger. Thank you. Okay, thank you. There's a a lot of mildew about at the moment. Yes, because it's been so wet. Yeah, and I've even noticed it badly on tomatoes. Mm. And on the tomatoes, it's like it's penetrated the the structure Mm. of the skin. And um, we had some that I kept in our shop away from the frost, and they've really been attacked with the mildew. Mm. Mm. But mildew will rub off. You'll get a sense of it, you know. Mm. Um, mm. And I got the impression from Roger that it wasn't something that, that he could rub in off. in the leaf. Mm. In the leaf. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I just cut the leaves off. Yes. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Mm. No. 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 Okay. 
All right, that number if you'd like to join us this morning. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot, so do give us a call. The number is 94190155. We have Virginia Haywood, Craig Wilson and Graham Sargent in the studio this morning, so do give us that call. Um, a reminder too, while I'm talking about it, that we have only got two more Sundays after this before... Um, the 3CR gardening show goes into recession. <laughs> and we, we, all, we all have a break. <laughs> exactly, summer dormancy. <laughs> yes, yeah, summer dormancy, totally recommended for yeah. the hot weather. <laughs> and, of course, we won't be back then. Uh, we don't come back over January. We will be back the very first Sunday in February. Huh. So if you want to make the most of being able to ask a gardening question, you've got two more weeks after today to... Uh, to make the most of it. So uh, do give us a call. That number again is 94190155. Graham, let's get to your roses. Uh, yes, Pam, I've, I've brought in uh, a rose um, that's called In Appreciation. And um, it's a, what would you say, hot pink? Yeah. And um, it's won a, a number of awards in the rose trials and, and has been very healthy in the nursery. It's been around now for about probably about eight years so we've had plenty of time to evaluate it it'll get nearly just about a meter high and the uh, rose will cut very well for a vase and it's got a got a really nice perfume and um, it's one of those things that's probably a good thing if um, you know if you want something for Christmas time um, we find a lot of school teachers come in and buy that sort of thing for for um, uh, different people they've got on committees and that sort of thing but it's a, it's a really good rose and bred by the Tantau people in Germany. They, they've bred some very healthy roses. So that's in appreciation. And if you happen to have a, ha- a house painted red, which the walls of this studio are, mm. it doesn't do the rose any justice. It doesn't, no. does it? <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful colour. It's a different mm. shade of red. Mm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's got a high rating for, for perfume, which is That's um, always Im- one of those important, important nowadays, isn't mm. it? Yeah. People really want perfume. And a, and a good tight bud and hold up well in, mm. in, the, uh, in a vase. Mm. Yeah. And the other rose I've brought in is um, a rose that's called Thank You. I love that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful uh, deep mauve, mm. red by Cordy's in Germany. And it's a fantastically healthy bush. Yeah. It, that'll get a, bit, a little bit over a metre. And um, I love the colour. Be one of the first out flowering in your garden. It's mm. really, it's really nice an early one. Mm, yeah, yeah, lovely rose. Yeah. And again, got a perfume. And um, it's also um, a charity rose. One of those roses that are many charity roses. And um, it's. Um, I'm just trying to think of the charity. Anyway. It's, but it definitely has a perfume. It's an absolutely beautiful colour, I reckon. I love mm. roses in, in those sort of purples. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Contrast well in the garden. There's a couple that have mm. got singing sort of names, mm. Blue, and then there's Blue Moon. That's much nicer than Blue mm. Moon, though. Yeah, and, and is rather very healthy. Mm. Um, blue Moon can be a bit laggy, can't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. This will really bush up well. Yeah, yeah Make a great hedge. Really, People really slapstick. Mm, yeah. mm, can make a really good hedge. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love a hedge with that lovely shade of mauve all through it. Yeah. Mm. Yep, uh, two good roses. Quite, yeah, quite taken with that one, yes. And we send them in the mail from the nursery. How extraordinary. You're doing mail order? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How on, what, you'd, just, you'd, you'd have to chop it down hard? Um, well, we can, we can put them in a, in a pot 
half a metre in height because they're in like a tube pot uh-huh. and they come with the uh, potting mix around them which is based on coconut fibre right. which holds the moisture really well. And we certainly encourage people to use the liquid seaweed with them. Yes. Yeah. And we usually encourage, uh, include a, a sachet of liquid seaweeds enough to make 10 litres mm. and people can use the liquid seaweed. If people use liquid seaweed in the roses once a month, They'll get up to 30% more flowers than normal. Yeah. And that's what research has shown. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. People should use liquid seaweed on all their plants. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. a wonderful product. Yeah. And clip it on the hose and use it off the hose as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, we have uh, joining us online uh, Jeremy Francis from Cloud Hill. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Pam. Now, you're all geared up for Christmas carols. We certainly are. We have been busily clipping hedges and getting things sorted, and uh, it, the garden is looking pretty handsome. And we have um, the idea of North coming singing Christmas carols this coming Friday. Fantastic! And tell us a little bit more about uh, the group. Um, well, the the um, the, uh, the the show is on behalf of the uh, Hush Foundation, so it's actually a charity. Affair, mm-hmm. um, and the Hush Foundation is uh, um, uh, an organisation which originated at the Royal Children's Hospital. Actually, one of the two pediatricians, uh, Dr. Catherine Crock, uh, had this idea for improving the the healing environment of hospitals uh, using uh, via the arts, so using music and theatre and all sorts, actually. But in this case, music. And um, she uh, at the Hush Foundation and uh, Dr. Catherine Crock have been working in with the acapella group, the idea of North, for several years, actually. So this is part of a long-running campaign, if you like, to improve uh, the life of uh, people stuck in hospitals. It started off at the Royal Children's Sector, but it's moved right around the Children's Hospitals uh, throughout Australia, and, and it's moving overseas. So it's actually quite a big deal. Mm. And um, something that was suggested to us oh, about six, eight months ago. And um, Well, curious enough, my wife, when she first came to Australia, the very first job she had was working at the Royal Children's Hospital, so it kind of <laughs> intrigued us from the moment we heard it. Yes, fair enough. Yeah, so um, anyway, so we have the idea of North coming along um, singing Christmas carols as one of our twilight events and so um, the idea is that people are going to bring along a picnic fold-up chair and we keep the gates open after 5 o'clock and um, and the um, show, um, the, the, the group will be singing in our theatre so there's room for a reasonable-sized audience mm. but it's fairly intimate all the same. Yes. And um, running from around about um, half past six through to about half past eight, nine o'clock. Right. Friday night. Yes, yes. Perfect timing for kids. They can still get home and get into bed, not too late. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, fairly early night. And, and, uh, but, of course, the main thing is that people have a chance to get around and see the garden at the same time. And, oh, crikey, this amazing weather that we've had. And, and uh, I, I, well, I, I keep on running into people from other parts of Australia and the, you, you, you almost uh, feel embarrassed. But, uh, but the uh, conditions in the Dandenongs have just been superb. Mm. The garden has never been looking better. Mm. Yes, yeah, phenomenal, so very isn't much it, part of the deal. Yeah. It's a wonderful opportunity to see a garden in twilight too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
And um, is the group a cappella, Jeremy, or are they oh, a yes, company? Yeah, well, the, uh, the, the idea of North, uh, yeah, they're a purely a cappella group. They're Australia's leading a cappella group. Um, they've been together, well, uh, the, the group has been in existence for quite some years, but uh, um, they, well, they're based in Sydney, but they've, they're overseas much of the time. They're not in Melbourne all that often, so this is actually a, a little bit of an opportunity to get along and see them. If anyone listens to Radio National, you would have heard them quite a bit. They're, they're promoted quite a lot on the uh, ABC Radio National. Right. Um, but they're, much of their work has been overseas. They've won major awards in America, for instance, and the, the Americans take a cappella singing very, very seriously, of course, you know, barbershop quartets and all that sort of thing. So um, it'll be exciting to see how they work in our theatre. Mm, absolutely. Now, Jeremy, how do people book to come along and have a listen? It's all on try booking. Um, simply go, well, you can go to our website. There's a lot of information on the Cloud Hill website. Um, and uh, or simply go to try booking. Um, uh, the the um, tickets are fifty dollars, uh, thirty dollars for children. And as I said, it's it's a charity thing, so all the money's going to the Hush Foundation. That's wonderful. Um, yep. And um, uh, very straightforward nowadays. Try booking. We used to do this longhand a few years yes, ago. Yes, exactly. And I spent a lot of time on the telephone. I'm sure you did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But uh, about three or four years ago, we went to try booking, and oh yes, life has settled back into something quite comfortable nowadays. <laughs> Excellent, Jeremy. While we've got you online, uh, because uh, the 3CR Gardening Show won't be broadcasting during January, um, we have an opportunity for you to quickly mention that you also, on the 25th of January, you've got the Melbourne Opera Trust coming to the garden. Exactly. This is the first of a series. So we have three other events. We have have uh, the Melbourne Opera Trust, several of their up-and-coming singers coming on the day before Australia Day, so that's generally the 25th. Um, exactly the same uh, procedure, really, uh, except it's on the Saturday. And um, and we have the Evergreen Ensemble on the uh, February the 22nd and uh, Shakespeare on the Australia Day weekend in March. But, uh, yes, the, the opera... Um, on the uh, on the Australia Day weekend is quite a big deal as well, um, and this is our third year with opera singers, and they have been working extremely well. To the, just in terms of the the acoustics and the, and the, the pleasure the the uh, audience gets out of actually having the chance to sit just a few metres away from the opera singer, yes, yes. no microphone, the whole thing is yes. just is is uh, just the opera singer's voice. It's just the most extraordinary thing. Mm. Very exciting. I just think the ambience of, of, of music and gardens works so well. It's 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 magical every time you can experience live music in a garden, I think. So yeah, it certainly is, yes. Yeah. We, um, well, we've been doing, that, we're doing it for a little while now and, and uh, experimenting with uh, things that work and things that don't work. <laughs> Fair <laughs> and, enough. Uh, but, but we're gradually figuring it out. And, uh, but certainly the, the voice and the acapella singers, the opera singers, uh, the, the um, Evergreen Ensemble is a, is a period instrument group. Um, so they're, they're playing... Um, um, instruments from the 17th, 18th centuries, and they're a splinter, a splinter group of the Pinchgutter Opera mm. uh, 
uh, group in Sydney. Yeah. Um, but they've been coming for a few years as well, concentrating on Irish music, on Baroque music, uh, Baroque Irish, Irish music, uh, which will be a kind of an interesting program. <laughs> and will they be playing out in the gardens, Jeremy? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So the theatre is an outdoor, it's simply a circle of grass surrounded by a beach hedge, which we've been busily clipping just last week, taking advantage of all this cool weather. And and it's big enough for around about 250 people or so. And so it's all outdoors. And, well, the... The the the, uh, the the trick is the to keep the the hedge neatly clipped actually, and then we, we then it kind of holds music quite well, mm-hmm. and uh, so we generally uh, there's no amplification. It's it's just the the pure music. Mm. So I can remember when the African drums were there, and you could hear it almost all around <laughs> the whole place. Though it well, was brilliant. Well, in that case, it, yeah, well, well, in that case, it carried a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we had taiko drummers on the Japanese drummers on one occasion as well. So we've, yeah, we've had, uh, you know, all sorts of people playing all sorts of instruments over the years. Mm. Fair enough. Okay, well, just a reminder to listeners, uh, the carols, um, uh, next Friday, 13th of December, uh, the performance is 6.30 to 8.30, but uh, you're invited to arrive between 5, 5.30, take along a, a picnic, a bottle of wine, some low fold-up chairs, a little bit of warm clothing if it gets a bit cool. And uh, to book for that, go online to the Cloud Hill website, or can they still call um, the number at Cloud Hill, Jeremy? Well, you can call me, but it's all on try booking. It's all on so try booking. Help with the information, so, yeah. Okay, so jump on that's the phone. free to call. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Thanks so much, and I hope it thank really you. goes well. Thank you, and happy Christmas to everyone. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. You too. <laughs> Bye. Right. Bye. Right. Uh, next up, we have uh, Claire in Chelsea. Good morning, Claire. Good morning. Uh, I'm just ringing up regarding the lady that rang up for information on um, wildlife-friendly netting. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. And um, if, it's, if the netting is more than uh, a centimetre square, uh, then it doesn't pass the finger test. Yes, so that's you, right. you don't allow it. And I know this as I'm uh, a volunteer uh, Gardens for Wildlife with the City of Frankston. All right. Um, and if she goes to a website, www.wildlifefriendlyfencing.com, it will then lead her to uh, the link to the netting page and people that she can purchase appropriate netting from. Okay, that's helpful. Great. Thank so, you for that. So that's www.wildlifefriendlyfencing.com. That's it. Yeah, excellent. And, and it's it has to be less than a meter, uh, mm-hmm. centimeter square. Yeah. Uh, correct. Yes. If you can put your finger through it, it doesn't pass it. And they've got examples of three netting, um, fruit saver, hail guard, veggie netting, and I think the veggie netting is maybe two mil by two mil. Right. So right. Quite quite intricate. Yeah. But it's it's all there um, on that website. Excellent. Okay, well, thanks for alerting us to that one. That's great. Great, thank you. Bye. Bye. 
That is really handy. Yes, yeah, that is handy. Isn't yeah, it? that's yeah. excellent. Now, uh, a couple of queries on the outside line. Lynn wants to know where she can get her broken spade uh, repaired. <laughs> we all look blank. <laughs> I don't know. A good old-fashioned blacksmith. Hire a hubby. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's got a stainless steel handle, you'll, you'll need to go to a, a welder that specialises in welding stainless steel. Yeah. And they are definitely about, um, the, you know, the dairy industry uses them a lot. Okay. Um, yeah, that's as much as I really know. Mm. And if it's a, if it's a wooden handle, then you've got to split it with a chisel yeah. to get it out. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can. It's easy to purchase new wooden handles yeah. and then mm. fit them in. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, the other query, uh, Narell wants to know if crepuscule rose can be pruned now, Graham. Yes, you can give crepuscule cre- a, a trim now. And um, you you will get flowers back on it within fifty to sixty days. Okay. So give it a feed at the same time. Oh yes, always give it a feed. Yeah. And give give it some liquid seaweed, and that'll harden up the leaves, um, you know, for the summertime because it'll give extra. They tell us any anything extra of about five degrees heat tolerance we, with using liquid seaweed. Mm. So incorporate that with your trim. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Excellent. Virginia, let's get to some of your uh, your plants. I've just been going around deadheading my roses, but in the process of deadheading, I prune. You know, some some mm. I take really exactly. long mm-hmm. pieces out, mm. and others I just take the dead mm. head out. You know, it, it's a it's a good opportunity that sort of summer prune of a rose. Yes. yes. One of the things I've brought is a series of digitalis, which is foxgloves. Um, I've got. Two isoplexus in my garden, isoplexus canariensis and isoplexus sceptrum, uh, which both of which I've put on Facebook, and I think they're absolute. I've loved them for a long time. Um, they're easy to propagate, so they're all over the garden now, and they are um, five foot, six foot tall. They're, one of them has got quite a much smaller flower than the other. They've got orangey flowers. And they just sit there. I've got a very orange section of the garden. They sit in that section looking gorgeous. They flower for a long time from spring through to summer. And then they just die off and they come back next year. Mm. Then the other thing I've got is your bog standard foxglove, which is digitalis. And that, of course, is a two-year plant. After two, It usually flowers in the second year and then dies down. I do find some of mine will come back after a after yeah. flowering, which they never did in Britain. Um, and there's lots of different foxgloves, i.e. colour. You know, you can get your apricot. You, the one you see wild tends to be purple. There's white, apricot, pinks. Yep. And then about, I think about 2014, somebody in Britain crossed the foxglove and the isoplexus. Okay. Because they're very close. Yep. And came up with a new plant called Digiplexus. <laughs> right. I.e. Digitalis and, and Isoplexus. Yes. And I love it. Craig thinks it's a little bit loud, but I think the Digiplexus <laughs> is absolutely superb. And it's like a perennial foxglove, really. It has a touch of the orange from the Isoplexus in it. Uh, and this also comes in several, several different shades. But... Um, 
they all have a touch of the orange, whether they're purple, whichever shade of pink and purple they might be. Okay. Um, and they, unlike the digitalis, the foxglove, this one does come back year after year. Well, we don't know how long, but year after year. So, so are they shrubby like an isoplexus? No. They're, so they're herbaceous? They're herbaceous like a foxglove. They yep. look like a foxglove, but they're a little bit bigger and the huh. flower is more noticeable. No, they're not bigger, actually. They're tighter. Yeah. And, and the flower is noticeably different to the foxglove. Mm. But... Now, so that was bred in Britain in 2014. It won okay. Best at Chelsea, Best Flower at Chelsea and things like that. Right. Because it was quite noticeable. Yeah. And then the bastards went and changed all the isoplexus to dig, uh, digitalis. So now there is no such thing as isoplexus. There is only digitalis. digitalis. And so they'll have to rename the um, digiplexus. <laughs> This is getting very confusing. Yeah. It's a little bit cross digitalis. <laughs> it has yes. to be digitalis crossed with digitalis. Yes. So how is it different to the other ones? Yes. Yeah. yes. But I think they're a really nice group of plants. Yeah. And I, I wish, that, I mean, you know, it took me years to learn isoplexus and now it's become irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always struggling with name changes. I suppose they could call it. Perennial digitalis, but yes. we don't quite know how long it's going to last for. No, I don't. I mean, I've had it in the garden for years, and it's yep. come back every year. Okay. This is the digiplexus. 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 Yeah. And the, the, the digitalis, I find, plants itself, and I've never found the isoplexus plants itself. I always have to propagate it, but yep. I don't find it difficult to propagate. Yep. So, and also, I find with the isoplexus, Isoplexus canariensis, which I rarely see in the nurseries, but you will have some. I, hopefully the cuttings will strike, Yes, if, if what you tell me is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and Isoplexus canariensis is, I find, a much prettier shrub than the septum, which I find after a couple of years it gets so messy that I, I, pull it out. I strike it and yeah. replace it. Yes. yes. Yeah, the canariensis, I, it was breathtaking. It was just beautiful. I think it is stunning, yeah. yes. I've, got, I've only got two of them. I must yeah. do the same as you and strike a few yeah. more and spread it around the garden because it is, it's a beautiful plant. And, I, you know, anyway, all these digitalis, I think, are very interesting. Mm. I've I, always I've liked... i digitalis digi- in too. Oh, yes. It's digitalis ambigua. Ah, which I got from a garden in Monbolk, and the, the owner of the garden told me it had been in the same spot for 20 years. Okay. Yeah. So, but so it must be new ones coming up. It couldn't last 20 years. No, same, no, tiny little clump. Mm. You know, it's, it, it had just been there. It didn't spread, didn't seed. Yeah. It's only a little guy. Okay. It's, uh, it's yellow with brown spots, and it would get to about 40 centimetres, I guess. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. whereas my pink one, purple one, which is purple with brown spots or some sort of spots, dark spots, oh. that is at least five foot tall. Yeah. Yes. Especially yes. this year. Yes. Yes, because yeah. of all the rain. <laughs> yeah. Because, of course, they grow wild all over Britain. So they throw all through the hills too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They, they, want, they want a bit of rain. I don't think they'll ever escape on me because yeah. I'm too dry. But they are. They're a very fine sort of plant. I'm very fond of them. And I think they're worth having. Then one of the other things I brought in, which is a bit ridiculous because I don't like this plant, but this is the Lychnis, which is L-Y-C-H-N-I-S. 
otherwise known as Rose Campion, or in Britain I used to hear it called Dusty Miller. And this just self-seeds in my garden, but ironically it doesn't ever self-seed in the panic. In yeah. the paddock. It yeah. always seeds so seeds furiously. Yes, in a fairly narrow range. That's right. And at the moment I've got a, a section in the garden which must be at least four or five foot by four or five foot. Absolutely full of it. And I've, again, I've put this on Facebook and it looks absolutely extraordinary because you've got this felty grey leaf on this plant um, it's, it's, and the stem is also felty and grey, so it's a very grey plant mm. with these bright, bright purple flowers on top of it. And then the other one is white, so you've got this purple and white mixed through the grey, and it looks absolutely... It's a real magenta, and it looks absolutely fabulous. As I said, I don't like it because I get so much of it. <laughs> and I, and, you know, I don't know what it is in us. Anything that's... I mean, when I lived in Britain, if we'd been able to get all those yellow weeds that we have in in um, <coughs> early spring, yes, yeah. they'd be absolutely thrilled because it's really hard to grow those sort of things in Britain. But f- and, and because I can grow this so easily, I don't really like it, <laughs> which is stupid on my part. But it is looking wonderful at the mm. moment, and I have been digging up lots of it and giving it to other people because I do have so much of it. And so that is Lickness. Um, I think it's Coronaria. Coronaria, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rose Campion, it's, it's called, or Dusty Miller, if you want to look up Rose Campion. And I think it is rather fine. And I've got my Lickness coming up through my woolly lamb's ears. Oh, that would look good. Yeah, and they two work together. Yes, they work together really well. I hadn't thought of putting some up in the top bed amongst the lamb's ears. I might try that. Do you have to get some Lickness Chalcedonica? Which is? Red. Oh, yes, I'd like that. Red, red, red. Ooh. And green foliage. No, no silver. Oh, that would be very different. Yes, I'll have a look for that. Because it's... um, And is that as rampant as... No. Mm. Doesn't sell seed, right? You know. But they're not a big challenge to grow, are they? <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> they're not. <laughs> no challenge. But of course, it's, sometimes it's quite nice to have things that aren't try- oh, absolutely trying and to die on the garden of your scale. Yes, it, yeah. Yes, I things need things that self seed and fill up holes are perfect. Yes, yes, and that, of course, is the other reason I'm so fond of the salvias because you yeah. know they they will just keep on keeping on, yeah. and I really need that in my garden because it's too big for. For an old lady like me, mm. Mm. Graham, we've had a, a, a listener ring in wanting to know the uh, the name of the mauve rose you brought in. The name of the mauve rose is Thank You, the Thank You Rose. Okay, so that if you ask for the Thank You Rose, to remember. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay, and uh, look who we have online. We've got our good friend Sue Stevens. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. How's everybody going? Hi, uh, great show, and I rang up to speak to Jen, but I have to say I've got both of those roses, and they're absolutely divine. But that thank you, Rose, I think it's to do with the transplant. Mm -hmm. It's the transplant rose. Oh, right, transplant um, memory. Yes, Um, absolutely divine. If people haven't got that, mine's come into uh, full bloom and of. I had an open garden to my um, Facebook friends about a month ago and uh, my lovely friend Catherine Brody actually gifted it to me 
for my garden. So oh, it's nice, beautiful. Sue. Well, you can ring up again. I'll put you on the staff, Sue. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Thanks, yes, thanks yes. Sue. Uh, now, Sue, you wanted to talk about isoplexes. She's having trouble with her phone. She I think. is. Uh, you'll need to ring us. Yes, her phone's playing up. I suspect her phone seems to run off charge very, very quickly. Oh, right. Okay. Well, if yeah, if she until she to rings ring in again, until she rings back, I'll talk about this other one which I got from Sue. Well, before you do that, we have had oh, a caller, Rhonda in Bayswater, who wants to know where you can buy the digiplexes. Um, it is around. It's. I think you probably get it in Bunnings, and I know. It's it's in most of the nurseries, yeah. the digi. Yeah. So they could probably order one in anyway. Yeah. Or yeah. Yes, if you just go, uh, where do, where does she live? Uh, Bayswater. I can't. I don't know what nurseries are around Bayswater, but um, I would think your local nursery will probably have Banksia. it. Banksia. Banksia. Banksia on Burwood Highway. I reckon yeah. they'd have it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. Great. Yeah. Yes, because it is. I have seen it in a lot of the nurseries now. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because it is such a good looker. Yeah. I know the nurseries in Mount Evelyn all have it. Yep. Well, obviously, Karanga doesn't because it's not native. It's not native. But the other two there definitely have it. Yep. Yes. Okay. So if you go to Banks, you ask for Dick. <laughs> Dick's the man. He's He's been there for since Adam was a pup. But uh, his knowledge of plants and what's there is, is fantastic. It's a good nursery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Back to the plant, Virginia. Right. Well, the, uh, this I've brought in is a chrysocephalum. It's a billy buttons. Mm-hmm. And that is a native. And that is a native. Um, and I got it from Sue's work because you can go in at the weekend and buy plants there. And it's very, very compact. So bi- it the billy is. The billy buttons are little yellow. They have little round yellow flowers. And there's quite a range. A lot of them are, are green-leafed with the yellow flowers, and then there's some grey-leafed that have very flower, flowers that stick up a long way. But this one is very compact with a grey leaf. It almost looks like a succulent, which it's not. Sue thinks it might be a piculatum, but she's not sure. And apparently it was a seedling that turned up that Ian has since bred on. Oh, okay. And it's... It's absolutely wonderful because it suckers. So something that will, one, if it suckers, it means if you damage it, it'll come back. And two, it will just get a little bit bigger. It's going to make nice big patches. Lovely big patches. And it's, and of course, being a Billy Buttons, it's well hardy. It wants full sun. And this is something that's good for me because I'm up on the ridge and a lot of my garden's very hot. Yes. And so I think it's actually rather beautiful, and I'm really looking forward to, to growing this on. So a big patch of it. Yeah, three yeah. big patches. I bought three. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think, I think it's one for people who've got hot spots or fairly dry spots, it's one to look for. Mm. A chrysocephalon or billy buttons and one that suckers. And as I said, I got it from Sue's Bushland Flora, which is in Clegg Road in between Mount Evelyn and Wandon. You can go there and get get one of a weekend, uh, of, of a Saturday. A great place to get horse manure. Clegg Road. Really? They always have it out on the side of the road. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. You've got to go a bit further than Bushland Flora. Yes, just keep yeah, going on. That's yes. right. Well, I do, because I, there's a place near me that sells... Sells it for a dollar a bag, which yeah. I think is pretty big good. And I just dump it all in my compost. Yep. Because it 
makes the worms happy, and I'll do anything to make a worm happy. Oh. <laughs> Particularly the size of your worms. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I've had the best year of worms for 15 years. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, is there any plants we haven't mentioned, um, Craig? Um, of course, Norman Haddon. It's yes. the most fabulous dogwood in the world. Oh. I love Norman Haddon. It, it's, it's a cross between the evergreen dogwood, which is the one that self-seeds all through the hills, Capitata, right. and Cornus Cusa. Okay. Um, and it's just superb, and it's just coming into flower now. Right. And we're usually, it's usually still in flower at Christmas. And mine... I think that's what I have, and it go, they go pink at the end that's of right. the That's right. They yes. age to pink, mm. and, and it flowers so young. Yes. You know, with a Kusa dog, would you put it in the ground, and you're waiting for years and years and years for it to flower. With Norman Haddon, just does it straight away. Well, I find also the weird thing, I've got several dogwoods, and Norman Haddon's the only one that's flowered this year. My Kusa flowered last year, but it hasn't even looked like flowering this year. Yeah. So when, the, when Norman Haddon turned pink, I was thrilled because I hadn't had any pink. So it's, yeah. and, and it's one that I haven't pruned at all, so it's all the way down to the ground. So I've got... I missed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Craig just came through and just cut off the bottom parts of a whole lot of my trees. You're walking into this. This is no good. Bang, off goes that branch. <laughs> He's vicious. <laughs> but he didn't get to Norman Haddon because, mainly because she's, he's so in, beautifully in flower. Yeah. And it's stunning. But I don't know why my other dogwoods didn't flower. They've had all this Everyone's rain. Everyone's saying that about the cooses. Are know, they? I don't know. No, no, because the flower buds set in autumn. Ah, uh, so and the we rain had now no, has and we no, and of course we had a very the last couple of autumns have been as dry as dry. Yeah. So, so it's. Cusa crossed with Capitata, oh, Capitata uh, which if, is if, the weedy one. If you one. wanted to grow a, a, a dogwood in Melbourne, this is the one that you would have the best chance of growing. Mm. Yeah. Yes, well, I, mine is absolutely beautiful, so I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Mm. But I didn't realise they set their flowers in autumn, so that's because I have had such dry autumns the last couple of years. Yeah. And I do think in my garden, you know, the, the, how long the dogwoods will last really depends on just how quickly the climate change kicks in. Yeah. Yep. yep. For sure. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're understory trees, so yes. they're like shelter and heaps of leaf litter. Yes, and water. Yeah. They're being North American largely, yeah, aren't that's they? that's right. Mm. Or are they Japanese as well? Both. Both. Mm. Yeah. So what else can we expect? Yeah. Graham, you've brought another rose into the studio. Yes, Pam, um... And the roses are yellow, green yellow, which is St. Patrick. Uh-huh. And it's appropriate, I think, the name. And um, the great thing about St. Patrick is that as a yellow, it doesn't fade in the, in the hot weather. Mm. And, in fact, in the, in the cooler weather, it'll be more, more of a greeny-coloured yellow, a very tight bud, uh, what we'd say a classical hybrid tea bud, and on a long stem. And, and um, especially in yellows, the challenge getting into the hot weather, there's a lot of them do fade, but St. Patrick doesn't. And it's got, also got a perfume, too. Mm. So, um, Yellow with some green in it. It's a fantastic yeah. combination. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can be great in the mixed vase of flowers yeah. as well. Some mm. of the yellows are very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Very harsh colours, whereas mm. if they've got a bit of green in it, it mm. really softens, softens them. them up. Is it a mm. good grower? Yeah, it grows well. Yeah. Mm, it does. Yeah. It grows well. Yep. Although I still like thank you best. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. I thought thank you was divine. <laughs> okay. Keep taken with thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, we seem to be having a bit of trouble with the phones. Oh, so maybe it wasn't Sue's phone. Uh, well, or maybe because it's happened since Sue rang in, and I don't know if she's fully hung up at her end of the line, but it's, um, it's, it's affecting our, our calls coming in. I might get you to slip out of the studio and see if you can sort contact of. her and, okay. and see if she has hung up yep. her mobile phone to try and clear our phone lines. Yep, fantastic. Okay. Oh. Craig, while, while we've got a minute, um, just recently you gave a talk up in the Yarra Valley yeah. um, looking at, uh, at the uh, Sir Arthur Streeton's um, garden, Long Acres. Yeah. Um, for listeners that couldn't get to that talk, how about filling us in a little bit about the garden itself that's up there? It's, 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 it's a five-acre garden right. that was planted by Streeton. Um, it's, it's a garden which is, I think, achievable. Okay. As, as in it's, not, it's never had the work of a professional. Right. It's always been Streeton's. I mean, yes. next year marks 100 years wow. of Streeton ownership. So it's not... It's not a garden that you walk into and feel like it's been done on a grand scale. Yes. You know, it's, it's very much a, a home garden in yes. a sense. Yes, yeah. great. With each person adding their little bit to it. Yes, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and so um, does it have uh, many mature trees Absolutely. dating back from that period? Lots, loads of trees that Streeton planted. Yeah, there's the forest of Douglas fir at, oh, at wow. the back of the property that he planted to try and lure Nora up, his wife, because she was Canadian. Okay. Yeah. And the house, look, the house, everybody says arts and crafts style. Right. But Roger Streeton, who was Arthur's grandson, told me that he built it in the style of a Canadian farmhouse, again, to try and get Nora to go up there. I don't think it was, she she liked Linda very much. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So she didn't get up there, but full of trees that Streeton planted, incredible lindens. Oh, the beautiful! Tilia, both both the uh, European and Americana, the American okay. London. Yeah. Yes. And where is it, the actual garden? Where is it? Um, Range Road in Alinda. Range Road in Alinda. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a magnificent piece of land. Does it open to the public very no. often? No. No. Roger opened it once, and he was swamped. Right. And it put them off. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> So the best thing would be, to, if you wanted to see it, to join the Historical Garden Society, one of the groups that, that they yes, do have through. Yes, because like Garden History, yeah. Garden History are allowed in there, yeah. for example. Okay. Because it's those numbers are more constrained. Oh, yes. I mean, yes. we've been as guides, the guides from the Botanic. Okay. We've visited. Yeah. Yep. Mm. I think that's just, you know, I mean, the Upper Yarra Valley Garden Club, I had... Oh, 180, 190 people over the weekend. When I opened for Open Gardens, I had over 600. Mm. Yeah. And that's just too much. It's too much. It's yeah. way too much. Yeah, yes, I agree. Yes. Somebody on the outside line wanted to know the name of my digiplexus, and I can't remember. But there are there, there is maybe four or five available on the market. Okay. Can't remember AI. Yes, that's what I've got. A lot of can't remember AI. <laughs> And yeah. and they um, they are all lovely and also they're in flower now which is quite good because you yeah. actually know what you're buying. Mm. So I would just pop along to a local nursery and I think you'll find them in all of them. And it's nice to buy from a local nursery rather than Bunnings because <laughs> it would be nice to keep our local nurseries going. Oh, absolutely. 
I mean, yeah. Bunnings have improved in that they seem to actually have somebody who knows something about horticulture now. Mm. But nevertheless, I think the small... It's nice to keep, like, for example, Craig's nursery I adore because he has plants, like Stephen, he has plants that you won't find anywhere else. But but it's not just that. I mean, you go to a, a local nursery and you can ask someone who's got the knowledge of the habit of the plants mm. yeah. and how to propagate and... Yeah. All the rest of it. I mean, you don't get that knowledge from Bunnings. I'm and sorry. Also, their, a lot of their stock is contract grown. Mm. You yes. wouldn't know where it comes from. Yes. It might have been shipped in the day before from Western Australia. Mm. Yes. You wouldn't have a clue. Yes. I, yeah. um, I found myself at one of the newer Bunnings out near Whittlesey. Got into the place and was so disgusted with the watering, I spent three hours there watering their plants. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is true. I was just... <laughs> I, it just blew me away. They were all dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I believe that they, they've just got a, another fellow on their staff who, who's really worked on, on, um. Who knows that you need water to keep yeah, plants yeah, alive. Yeah, yeah, And they've put in little, little transpiration beds under the pots. They've started to do that. All right. They get sick of me, of bunnies complaining. I stir them up. <laughs> Write out the little sheet and send it to the managing manager, and he doesn't like it because it goes through to their head office, <laughs> and he gets, you know, he gets uh, he gets into trouble. Bad brownie points. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm amazed they let you stay there for three hours. Oh, watering. I just did it. And I, they were trying to get rid of me, but the girl that was trying to get rid of me is working with us as a as a student. She's been working with the last eight days in our nursery. All oh, right. And she was there, and she said, "Oh no, you shouldn't be doing this." I said, "I don't care about you or any human being. It's about plants." <laughs> they're all going to die. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to cost Bunnings, isn't yeah, it? They're yeah. going to have to replace them all mm. all the time. So, mm. yeah, how ridiculous. Mm. Graham, if people, um, I know it's we're into December, if people really want to gift a rose mm-hmm. to someone yeah. special for Christmas, yes. can they still do it? Can yes. they still get it mail order? Is yes, it time? They can. Yes, they can. And um, they're gifted in, in a special box. And Diana wraps them up in her own... Um, uh, florist type wrapping and, and they're really, really quite presentable. And we've been doing that for about the last five years now anyway. So, uh, yeah, they can, they can contact the nursery and even ring the nursery and, um, we can organise to get the plant to them within about three to four days. Okay. Well, you better give out the phone number of the nursery. Um, you, you best to ring on, um, the best number to ring on is, um, uh, our, our own number is five seven. Eight seven one one two three, or you can ring on o four double nine eight seven one one two three. Okay, so give both of those again slowly. Yeah, five seven. Yep. Eight two one. Now I'm baffled. Hang on, I've got it here. Eight seven one. One two three. Yes, one two three. Okay. One two three. Yeah. And the other line is O four double nine eight seven one one two three. Okay. All right, we've got that. Sorry sorted. about that. Yep. <laughs> okay. What have you got there, Virginia? Now, the other thing I did bring in, and I'll just mention this quickly because I did put it on Facebook so people might see it, is a couple of gladioli. Now I don't like those big blousy Edna Everidge gladiolis, except for the green one. Yeah. Just because the green one's green, I do like it. But the others I don't like. Whereas the species gladiolis are absolutely wonderful. There's about 300 of them. And they're much smaller. They're much more elegant. They're very 
kindly disappear over the summer so I don't have to worry about them surviving. Of the 300 species, about 260 of them come from southern Africa. So they're good for us, southern Africa and us. You know, we used to be the one continent and we know how to live with each other. Um, they're all in the Iridaceae family and it's the largest genus in the Iridaceae family. And the ones I've got here are Carnaeus nymph and Colvillii rubra. Now the rubra is gorgeous. It has a very um, deep red flower with white stripes into the centre of the flower. And the other one is, is white with big pink splashes through it. And, of course, there's the bride, which is the white one, which I wanted to bring in, but it had all died down. I couldn't find one that was still... Yeah, okay. N- nymph's much bigger, isn't it? Yes, much mm. bigger, much bigger than the, yeah. than the ruber. Yep. And I think they're, they're really rather fine, and, and I'm very pleased with them. The other thing I thought I might mention, if the phones are still yeah. not working... Oh, I think they might be Oh, now. good. Yep. But, um, yeah, we might go to... Yes, um, of course. Because we've got uh, Sue back online oh, good. with a bit of luck. Are you there, Sue? I am. Good. I'm listening away. Okay, yes. go ahead. Um, I have to say about the species gladiolis too, they're beautiful, Jen, aren't they? I've got a lovely one. I'm, I think I've got a Tesla's um, that's actually pale pink with uh, the darker pink through it. Oh, a, that a no-named, sounds good. A no-name variety. That, that <laughs> sounds like Amanda May. Is it flowering now? Yes, it is. It's been flowering for about a month, and I've actually got it in a bit of part shade, and it's doing really well, Craig. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Tesla's Um, has quite a few of them. Yeah, I rang up about with the isoplexus Mm -hmm. and the new... The the one that first came out is called Illumination Flame. That's the one you and I have got, Jen. Right. Uh, um, and we also got an apricot one, but I don't know if you were with me the other day when we were down at Plant Multi. I, I thought I was buying foxgloves, um, and they're called Ruby Glow, but they're not. They're a digitalis. Yes, the Ruby Glow, that's the one I oh. bought most recently, oh. and they're lovely. Oh. oh, my goodness. I planted three of them in a group at my front letterbox, so you have to drive past and have a look now. Yes, I um, will. They're absolutely Stunning. Yes. Yes, yes, it's Ruby Glow were the ones I put in for my open garden. Yes. Just before the open garden, I suddenly decided to pull something out. And you not, had a gap. <laughs> not thinking, oh, if you pull all that out, there's nothing there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, so, well worth uh, putting in. Um, the other thing I saw the other day, which was spectacular, Jen, is one of the gardens on the, on the plant forum, and she's got Donna Ruminos, I think her name is, actually sprinkled those seeds of the isoplexus um, canariensis in a group and had, because I, I commented and thought, what are they? And they came up in mass, like a hundred of them. Wow. And in flowering on short stems and then she'll hack them back. Well, I um, will, I'll, I'll gather the seed because I've got two nice um, canariensis, so I'll gather the seed and share it between you, me and Craig. Yeah, well, I've got three. Um, well, one that I'd grown from a cutting. Actually, that's flowering later at the moment on the front verge. Oh, it's it's absolutely beautiful. People love that plant, and it's so hardy. Yes, I think it's a wonderful. shame it's not for sale enough. You should, yeah, do heaps of it, Craig, All because right. you just can't get it out there. Yeah. 
And Maybe I've got cutting material for it too. No, I don't think it looks no. scruffy in pots. No. I don't know why it's never for sale. Okay. Do you know what, Craig? I think a lot of these things, um, a lot of nurseries don't do because of the way that they look in pots, and we're a bit the same. But if the people know the plants, um, I don't think that they mind what they look like in pots. But also, yeah. that's my view. Well, but you also, know that's my hobby horse. Yes. <laughs> but also, I think the other thing is that. A lot, of, a lot of nurseries don't do a lot of propagation. They buy a lot of their plants. Yes, in. that's right. And so, if none of the wholesalers are doing it, then it just doesn't get around. Yeah. Whereas Craig no. propagates his own stuff, so that's why we get I, different things. I think I've only seen that maybe your miner could have done it at one stage, they but did. that's about it. Yes, because right. I got my cuttings from Virginia. Yeah. Um, and then I've done cuttings off the cuttings for other and, people. And Meg has it as well, and she distributes yes. cuttings, and she propagates I'd, it on. I'm, I'm, I'm debating whether or not the one that I've got from Meg is exactly the same as yours, you know, because I've got that um, done cuttings of that. I reckon it's different. I, it, There's a slight variance in that. It'll only be a slight variance. It won't be a different species. I think there are only four species in Isoplexus. Not that Isoplexus yeah. exists anymore, but I, I think there are yeah. only four species in it. it. It might just be the spot that I've got it in. It stayed low and bushy. Looks really good. Low and bushy, got it that right sounds next nice. Because like, next to purple. Well, Looks the big stunning. one, the Isoplexus septum, the big one, I think it gets a bit manky looking after a couple of years. Whereas this, I pulled mine out. Yeah, whereas the Canariensis yeah, stays much more interesting. Mm. Yeah, mind you, I like it where you've got it in your garden there. It looks really good, your, your the, spectrum or whatever it's called. Yes, yeah, spectrum. It's like a cold. It, it and I uh, find it the in, it can get a really manky looking before it's really taken off in spring. The old stuff gets um, gets a bit mouldy. Yeah, so I you, ended up getting rust on the leaves yes, here, yes. so I ended up pulling it out. So, yeah. But the other one's really good. But I think the thing yeah. to do with that is just to prop it and put it back in again. Yeah. Yeah. I better let you guys talk. Wonderful okay. show. <laughs> Good on you, Sue. See ya. Bye. Bye. Uh, now, first of all, Lynn wants to know where you can buy grafted cucumbers. I've never heard of a grafted cucumber. I've heard of grafted eggplants. Grafted eggplants are wonderful. They're because, great. Because they come back year after That's year. Right. Which That's is right. That's right. Perennials. Mm. If they're grafted, they graft them perennially. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't even understand why you would graft a cucumber. What's anyway. the advantage? I can't see any advantage. I mean, yeah. they're so easy to grow. Yeah. Well, um, depends where you live. I don't find yeah, them easy. Yeah, so I, I, I can't help with that one at all. I've, I've never, ever seen a grafted cucumber. Um, and John wants to know, Craig, if you still have cane begonias. Yes. You do? I do. Right. Yeah. I think you might have a visitor then. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've found a breeder who's got 1,500 begonias. Wow. So it's, going to, it's going to increase. Okay. Yeah. You but love them, don't you? I'm learning to. Mm. It, it, it's, it was really a matter of dealing with the indoor plant thing, which, you know, every second customer wants indoor An indoor plant, now. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, as you as you go through a genus, it's, it's obvious that you're going to get to like some of them. Yeah, and it's a big one. Yes, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Before we we wind up for for the morning, Craig, um, are you going to be open over the Christmas New Year period? Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. are. Yeah, I never go away over the summer. 
Yep. Yeah. The garden needs too much <laughs> attention. Yeah, too much watering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. so you're still closed on Tuesdays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just give out the address and phone number for uh, listeners. I'll give you the, my, the mobile number, which I'm starting to use more now. Is oh, okay. 0459. Yeah. Triple nine. Yeah. 158. Okay. Yeah. And, and the, address? the address is 138, Alinda Mombok Road in Alinda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's on the corner of Hackett's Road, which is Periander. Fantastic, yeah, so which can... is a fabulous place to visit. Yeah. Periander is a really beautiful garden, and people don't know about it. Yeah. It's a wonderful place, and it's free. That's right. You can just go and walk yeah. around, and it's it's steep, yep. so that it's no good if you're on sticks. And if you like architecture, the house is a classic piece of 60s architecture. It's okay. fantastic. It's, it's a very interesting yeah. place, Periander. I think it's worth mm. a visit. And, of course, Craig's is worth a visit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, Botanic Gardens, they've got a lot, both both Melbourne and um, Cranbourne, I know, have got lots of um, holiday events taking yes. place in the gardens. Yes, it's really worth keeping on top of the um, website because there is stuff happening all the time in there. And if I just have a quick look, I think I've got a walk next Saturday. Oh. I'm doing the half past ten walk. Okay. Next Saturday morning. So if anyone fancies joining me, that would be lovely. 10.30 next Saturday. Great. And you just meet at the visitor's centre. Meet at the visitor's centre and we'll, assuming it's not hideously hot, we'll go for a walk. Sounds good. Who knows? It might be raining. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I, I agree, though. People should go to the website um, and have a look at because they've, whoever um, plans all these events in the gardens, they've come up with some wonderful things, particularly if children are involved yes. or if it involves the whole family. Mm. Um, I, know, I know Melbourne are doing a lot in regard to um, nature play. Yes. Um, are really bringing out, you know, creativity, uh, things the whole family can get stuck into making cubbies and all sorts of things. And, and one of the things we're going to do next year is run a session on how to plan a new garden. You know, just, Excellent. Just talking about how you get your garden going. Yep. Okay, we've run out of time for another week. Uh, of course, uh, a big thank you to everyone in the panel and to Louise, who's had to handle all the phones this morning. But uh, we will be back 7.30 next Sunday morning. So until then, bye for now.